Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Adrian Ramsey, and I'm your host on Talk Design. I started this podcast because I wanted to share the journey of design that I've had and that many others have had, and I find it inspirational talking to people globally about what makes design tick and what makes design create a better world for others. My journey has taken me from clothing globally, women's swimwear, performance sportswear, mountaineering, yachting, all these kind of genres where each place I would learn more and more about different specifics and how clothing can support those. Also, I've worked in innovation as a systematic innovation trainer and worked with the aerospace industry as well as the marketing industry and the design industry. And all my years of design Still my favorite is the built structure and interiors. In years of travel and discovery, I constantly look at what the emotions are that are created by the built space. I consider myself a student of design for my whole life and will go on that way. Some of the things that I do to support this is my podcast, and then workshops and masterclasses where I teach people about trends and design thinking and tours where I take people on tour with me and we go and discover different points of architecture or interior design globally. I always think that when you're passionate about something, one of the things that you should do is is you should share it. And so creating the podcast was my way of sharing my enthusiasm and the enthusiasm of others and their passions around design with you. I hope you really enjoy it. And I ask you, would you please drop us a line? Tell us what you think. Tell us what got you excited. It's so inspiring when we get messages from our listeners that tell us about the things that shifted in their life because of who they listen to. And it gives me the inspiration to dig deeper and find more people that I can bring to your ears so that you live a better design life. My guest on Talk Design today is Donna Geiler. Now, Donna is an interior designer and has a firm on the Gold Coast, which is on the east coast of Australia. And she is a powerhouse and a live wire and does absolutely stunning work. So, Donna, let's dig into the story of your business, the story of you, and where are you going with it all? Um, Welcome to Talk Design. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you for having me. I am so looking forward to this. Just had a bit of a chat already, and uh, there's so many pieces that I want to bring up and talk about with uh, what we can go through today. Can I start out with, you know, why interior design? What happened? What, what, what was happening in life? And you went, boom, interior design's for me. Tell me a little bit about that story. Mm, well, I haven't always been an interior designer. I worked uh, on on the corporate circuit for, oh gosh, about 15 years. I had a fierce and fast-paced corporate 
career, which has led me into interior design. So, <laughs> um, and the two are like chalk and cheese, if, if I'm honest. I've so, gone from, you know, the boardroom to, to the job site. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Awesome. And um, no related industry there. No, no. I mean, you know, the truth is I, I am a creative at, at yep. heart. I always have, have been. And now that, you know, I've, I've had a complete career change, I've completed my studies, you know, I'm, I'm much more fulfilled as a profession. Certainly when I was working, you know, on the corporate circuit, I had a great job. You know, it was yep. a very high paying job. I had some great opportunity, uh, traveled quite a bit for work. Uh, it, you know, it, it was extremely stressful. Um, and and, you know, very long hours and it, and it took a lot of commitment, but it was very rewarding. Yeah. But, you know, there was always a yearning there for me, which, you know, now it is, you know, completely satisfied and and uh, I'm much happier now in, in in what I do. This is this is obviously what, what, I, what I was this you is know, your purpose. meant to be doing. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah, yeah. my soul yeah. calling. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> no well, question. I think that makes a big difference as well. You know, like there's a, there's a point where you go, okay, I'm doing what I'm doing and, yes, I love it and it's d delivering all these things, but then there's this point when you go, what's my soul want me to do? Where does it really want to take me? Being true to it and going, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in this. And like you were saying before, you know, you're all in. Who knows? But it's, this is all in for you. Yes, yeah, and, and you know, it, it's not easy having a – a career change you know I was in my 30s and uh I you know I actually fell pregnant with my son the first year of uni so you so thought it, you'd it, it, chuck a couple of things into the mix <laughs> <laughs> it, it certainly presented it cha its challenges I, I piled piled it on as you know us women do yep. but you know yeah I waited through and and here I am oh, I love it I <laughs> it love it. it I think it makes a, a huge difference and when Donna says you know here I am she has a team of eight so um, in that team of eight, you know, she's got a, a whole lot of other responsibilities that come with having a business uh, and the team and supporting their families and the other parts that come along with being a business person. It's more than just uh, doing her job. It's, it's running a company. And I really appreciate what that takes. I think that's a big part that people miss. So tell me with interior design, you know, when you discovered this is what it was going to be, tell me about that journey. Because as you said, you went and studied and you made this career change. So you jumped out of one and into another. Tell me how that all came about. Mm. So I, yes, you know, I've, I've always been a creative. Uh, I've loved, um, you know, d designing my my own homes. Yep. Uh, so I, I guess it was just, it was a natural progression for me, even though I procrastinated but for maybe about five years before I decided mm -hmm. to, you know, take the leap. Uh, but, you know, I, I really sort of did take the leap just into the unknown and, and I, I was open to that. You know, I knew that I loved homes and, you know, homewares mm -hmm. and, you know, working on my own homes and my friends' homes and decorating and styling. But I wasn't really entirely sure what I was getting my myself in for so anyway <laughs> in I went um and I you know I enrolled in uni I, I, I did my studies and uh I you know I just before I graduated I landed some work experience with a cabinet maker great I'll take that yep. um you know they shoved me down into the drawing room I was like 
great, I'll do that. And I, I kind of just rolled with it, t- to be honest. And But I tuned into to what felt right and, and, and what felt good for me along the way. And certainly the technical side of interior design struck a real chord with me. So um, being able to really you know, draw a floor plan and, yep. and you know, pl- plan a space meticulously to the millimetre, you know, <laughs> draw all the, all the custom joinery and, yep. and cabinetry, you know, that, that really resonated with me more so than, you know, all, all the beautiful you yeah, know, all the other, side of interior yeah. design. That, that's just as important. So, Well, you yeah. think of those, those other parts of the foundational pieces that get to be decorated later, um, if they're not right and if the function of them isn't right, then nothing's right. You can make That's it right. look pretty, but you try and use it and all the rest, it's just hopeless, you know. That, that's it's so, it's like so bad true. shoes. Bad shoes can look amazing. <laughs> try and walk in them. Yeah, you don't go far. Well, you know, it's, it's like anything really, isn't it? It's what, what's under the surface that counts. And, and you know, we, we often say to our, our clients, um, you know, we, we can make your, look, your home look good. We can do that. That's no problem. But, you know, th- there's a lot more to it than, than that. And there's a lot more value that, that we can bring, you know, beyond, you know, beautiful cushions and beautiful fabric selections and, and you know, the lovely imagery, at, you know, at the end. Yeah, that, that, exactly. And, and people, you create homes and that's another point. You know, you work in just residential. So you create homes. It's not that you're creating... Um, office spaces, which are equally as important, um, but in the creation of a home, it's personal to the person who or the people who inhabit it and supporting them and their um, life is really important. And so I'd love to dig into a bit of a conversation about that part of, you know, the emotional part of what happens when, you know, that last module they did at... um, at, at, in your training on marriage counselling, um, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody in the industry gets that joke um, because it's, it's not so a joke. <laughs> it's not it's, a joke. Yeah. It's very real. <laughs> they need they need that module um, because you're dealing with different personalities within a home and um, different budget expectations within a home. And then there's an emotional journey that you want to leave behind in the home so that those people who are your clients experience every day, um, it, it, it uplifts their life every day. So I'd love you to tell me a bit about that and how you infuse that culture into your business and for your clients. So, you you know, there's there's two parts to interior design. One is, you know, the business side of interior design, which is, of course, you know, w- what is the expected, uh, you know, project timeline, what uh, the, the budget expectations. But then there, there is there's the personal side of interior mm. design, and and y- you're right, there's a real psychology to it. And to be honest, I think you know that's what what really separates the great designers from, you know, the good designers is, is really having that ability to, to tune into the, the psychology of interior, of interior design because often clients will tell us uh, perhaps what they don't like yes. um, or, you know, and it's really, it, it's reading between the lines and, and it's, you know, obviously going out into their homes for the initial consultation, sitting down with them, you know, at a high level, establishing, you know, what they want to do with their homes in terms of the works that they want to do. But then it's 
it's diving deeper, much deeper. You know, who, who are they? Who lives here? Mm. You know, mm. who are the, the 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 personalities of the people that live here? You know, what is the family dynamic? Yeah. You know, how do they live or how do they want to live? What's not working in terms of the way that they live? And, you know, that that is, that's deep, you know, that, that's there's a real psychology into it. That, it gets very it, intimate. In it, like, it's, that's much, it's, it's beyond, yeah. it, it does, you know, it, it's beyond where the walls are going to go and, mm. and you know, how much square meterage do, do you need? That, that comes later. The most important thing to determine where those walls go and how much square meterage, you, you know, you're going to, to add or create is what they want from their home and what they want from that, that, that space. And you need to understand who they are and how they live to be able to, to, to determine that. I, I think it's so true. Like the, the diagnostic is so personal um, and that is what separates designers um, and the ability to, you know, that, that diagnostic and then that ability to read what that diagnostic means and then to deliver it in a personal manner to the people and to the client is um, really what shifts things and their the people feeling like it is their home as opposed to a showroom home or a, and then, you know, like the difference in needs uh, between couples, you know, like <laughs> I imagine most of your clients are couples. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. It just goes with the genre, but a hundred percent, the difference in needs and the difference in wants. Um, I have some fascinating conversations around this, you know, just from our business. Um, but I do it with, lots of podcast guests you know that that balancing that and where I was going to say where there's a winner I don't know it's about whether there's a winner or where it's just how do you balance those you know two very opposite attract kind of need things you know people say oh we're so on the same page and I always think to myself really hmm, we'll see won't we <laughs> <laughs> I never say it but I think it <laughs> No, no, that no, that's well, right. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> it's it it is. It's a delicate balance. It it really is. And and I guess you know, for us as the designers, you know, it's it's an exercise in 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 respect as, as well because you know both the husband and wife are are our clients. And yes, probably ninety five percent of cases, you know, that they the couple is not not on the same page, um, regardless of whether they they thought they. were. <laughs> they might get into, sink into really the well nitty gritty life. of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, they, actually... they want they want different things, and you know, of course, they do. It, it's human nature. We're, we're all we're all very different. So, I guess you know, for for us, it's really about you know understanding and appreciating both perspectives, mm -hmm. and then finding some common ground there. You know, so we can highlight you know the benefits and and. Um, so you can deliver the, on both the fronts of each, or, well, or maybe maybe so we can identify really what's what's the most what's most important out of you know what he wants, what she wants. All right, let's look at the benefits, the pros and cons of both, and you know find you know settle on a middle ground here, and and that's how we drive it forward. It's for us, it's not so much about giving him what he's looking for, giving her what she's looking for. It's about okay, let's find some common ground between them beforehand, and then let's move it forward that way. Love that. I love that. I think, and then there, there's that conversation. There's that piece of digging deep in. Um, I've got a couple of questions with this because it sparked my interest um, a lot. <laughs> I, I, this whole area does. So in a home, um, I remember reading this once where they said there is 
really only if, if it's a husband and wife, so, um, um, you know, a male-female relationship, there is really only one place where um, they have to have a, a high level of agreement, which is, I'm going to use the term, for Americans' primary bedroom, we call it the mm -hmm. main bedroom, and a lot of people call it the master bedroom. But we're seeing that die very quickly, the master bedroom. Um, that space where it has to deliver so many different uh, emotions, how, do, how do you go there? Like, Because that's probably the only place where both people spend time together um, in such an emotional space. Mm, nice yes. tricky question, eh? It, it is. It is. I <laughs> Let's love see it. where we go. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It, it is a space that needs to be designed specifically for two people, and you know those two people will spend a, a significant amount of, of time in there. It's a personal space. It's it's an intimate space. Uh, so yes, we have to meet the needs of of both and. We refer to it as the master suite, by the way. You do? <laughs> so, you know, I want to. You know, <laughs> this is a massive, a massive change that I'm seeing. And I talk to a lot of people around the world. Um, a massive change that I'm seeing is that the Americans now call it the primary suite, tends mm. to be what it is. Sounds mm. a little bit clinical to me. We mm. call it the main suite or mm. the main, usually because it's a suite, not a bed, main bed. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, it's a shift that is we're seeing happen. And uh, I, I interviewed, it isn't out yet, but I interviewed a couple of um, an architect and interior designer from um, Texas the other day. And we were talking about it after the, afterwards, not during, but we were talking about it afterwards um, as to, because they both in their conversation went, Ma, primary suite. And um, I said, I, I'm going to put yeah, afterwards, I picked up on it and said, I just want to know what, where it comes from, why it comes from, and how it's affecting the change in um, the language. And uh, they're saying, look, we're seeing it in America massively, massively. Mm. And uh, mm. I, I said, I've stopped, I stopped it probably, oh, goodness, probably in our practice about five years ago. Um, I went, yeah, this master thing, why do we do that? What is that? Because it was the master of the house. And I go, man, I've got two daughters. So I live in a, um, I'm the patriarch. <laughs> um, um, no, well, that, that, this is a conversation that happens in our house on a very regular basis about whether something is sexist or whether it comes from the patriarchal, mm. patriarchal rule of the world mm. or mm. past patriarchal rule of the world. So, that's why we've broken it down mainly pressure mm. from pressure from my daughters. Mm. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I get it. The term master, I guess it is. It's quite a traditional term. It's very and, old. And mm. yes. And you know what? I think it, it will, it will run its course. I think eventually. Um, but, but I guess, you know, likewise, the master suite is, is the master suite, you know, uh, for yeah. us, it, 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 you know, we give it, much more attention than than any of the other bedrooms in the home. Well, they for, are the for good one, reason. They are the one who writes the check. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. But I think it's it. You know, it, it is the most most important space. I think mm. in in a home, it should 
it should be, you know, a place of, of sanctuary and, yeah. you know, and privacy and, and intimacy and, 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 you know, all of those things that, that we touched on. But, yeah. you know, I, I do find with, with the majority of our clients, usually the husband, you know, will give a lot in the master suite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can take that how you will. <laughs> That's right. Let me just clarify that. Um, <laughs> oh, no, let's just leave it out there. <laughs> I've said it now. We can't yeah. take it. You've got to own that, that one. <laughs> I've got to own it. <laughs> no, go for but, it. Yeah. No, it, well, in the context of interior design, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they'll often concede a little here in, in the master suite. I usually find I'm working with um you know, our, our female clients on the design of, of the master suite. Uh, you know, we usually find it, it's it's you know the outcome in there is is much more important to them. Driven. Yes. Yes. Usually the husbands will say things to us like, you know, it, it's just a space where, where I sleep. Please just make sure I have some space in the in the robe. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, but otherwise, you know, I, I'm happy. It's just a place for, you know, for, for me to sleep. Whereas usually for our female clients, it, it means a lot more to them. So we're we're tuning into to what they're looking for. Um, so tell me know. about that part of it when you say it means a lot more to them. Um I'm going to be the dumb male here for this part of the conversation. Um, in what different levels of emotion do you see that they need or, or they're looking, not need, but looking for the support from that environment um, when it's that master suite, you know, primary bedroom, whatever we call it? Um, what, what are the kind of emotional drivers that they're looking to uh, nurture and support? It's it's the room away from the busyness of life. You know, it's it's space away from the kids. It's space away from the husband. Even mm-hmm. if if he's if he's you know continuing to to work when he gets home, it's 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 an intimate space for for her. You know, and for him. Mm-hmm. But I guess for our female clients that we work closely with on the master suite, you know, it, it's their retreat. It, it's their sanctuary. It, it's it's a space where they can take a little break from from motherhood and and just the busyness that that is life. We're, we're all doing it. We're all moving a million miles an hour, and you know this is the beauty and and you know the, the impact of interior design is creating that space where you know that space is actually conducive to switching off and and forgetting almost, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Forgetting that yeah. life is there's, crazy and life permission. is busy. Mm-hmm. There's permission. It's okay mm-hmm. to put put some locks on the, the, those master suite doors and lock mm-hmm. the kids out and lock yourself mm-hmm. in just for a moment. You know that mm-hmm. that's okay. So, you know, and really, the, this is interior design at play, really, isn't it? Because it's I creating so. creating this environment that that can actually, you know, induce those emotions and and create those feelings, which is extraordinary when when you think about it. So, getting the design right in, in there is yeah it's incredibly important I, I love this piece of the conversation I think it's so important um, that you kind of look at this and then I'm going to ask you to do another room the same way in a second I might do two because I think it this shows you what interior design's about and connecting with clients um, I have to tell this funny little story in between time though <laughs> I had a I had a couple that I was talking to about their bathroom and you know I, I'm not doing the interior design we're designing the home and um, anyway uh, I was talking to them about their bathroom and sort of saying you know well, you know 
what are you thinking with this? And she said, oh, I, I really want a freestanding bath. And I said, okay, cool. Yeah, we can do that. It'll increase the size a little bit. Yep, we can do that. That's no problem. And um, I said, but just give me a second. Tell me, tell me about that bath and tell me about, you know, how, what it means to you, what, how you're going to feel with that bath. And she said, oh, I'm going to lock the door. That was the first thing she said. <laughs> and I saw her husband kind of go, huh? <laughs> she means it, though, I'm sure. <laughs> I, went, I went back around in the conversation. I'm not going to tell you the rest, but she said, I'm going to lock the door was the first part. And, uh, and I said, you know you're not in that room, don't you, to him? And he went, yeah, yeah, I got that quite clearly. <laughs> That's right. It's a bath for one. That's it. <laughs> That's it. And when you were, yeah, you know, when you were describing before that that getaway space and that switch off and that you know being able to forget about those other responsibilities in life to just be able to take the busyness and put it down for a minute, just put it down so that you can recharge and nurture yourself. Um, I think that 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 encapsulated it so beautifully, um, and it. It, if that doesn't happen in, a, in a, anybody's life, but especially in a woman's life where they carry so many things that are so mm. busy without mm. me being sexist, um, if that space doesn't exist, then you're going to miss out on something else that that um, woman is going to deliver into the world. If she doesn't get that space, it's like giving a her a chance to talk. If she doesn't get that space, then something else goes. Yes, it, it's it's so true, and and I think it's also even about it, it's also about educating people that creating that space can give them that that sanctuary can give mm -hmm. them that that reprieve. You mm -hmm. know, I guess maybe for some people they don't even realize that that that's a, that's available to them. Mm -hmm. You know, that they can create that space within their home that delivers that sense of calm you know people are maybe looking looking at other avenues to to achieve that when really they can have that in their own home i think know, this if, is if really it's designed to suit yeah it's critical i think it's important and critical and you know something like COVID has taught us that um our homes aren't necessarily designed for big families to live in all day long um <laughs> you know people were meant to go to work at some point even the cat feels the stress, you know. Um, so what are you doing in my home all day? Get out of here. Um, um, but that is, that is something that's happened. And then this next level of um, wellness and um, nurture and stuff is being brought really to the forefront from that, I think. And mm -hmm. space to be able to, having permission to have the space, to use the space to live a better life. And it and it's it's contextual in so many areas. Um, let's pick another space. Uh, you can pick one if you want. Where it's uh, tell me a journey for it. I mean, I would have picked um, the kitchen um, would be another one, but I would love you to pick one if not. And um, tell me about the you know the dynamic in that space, and then how that uh, you deal with that. It, the kitchen is also you know 
Well, I'm not going to say it's equally as important because, you know, I did say that I feel that the master suite is the most Mm. important room in the house and, you know, absolutely I I stand by that. The kitchen is important for a different reason. It's a whole lot more dynamic. (laughs) That's right. It's it's about a lot more. You know, the master suite, you can actually narrow it down to those things that we spoke about, Mm. whereas the kitchen, you know, has to, it's it's a very hardworking space in the the home, right? You know, it's it's got to answer to the family, to guests, to, um, you know, people that are staying within the home it's really you know it's got to tick a lot of boxes and and you know that looks very very that looks very different to to you know every every couple in every home so again you know it's really about you know how to how to how do people live how do how do they want to live in that space is it about entertaining or is it just about family time where everyone can get together and and you know just have a fun conversation or a close-knit conversation across the kitchen island or is it about you know flinging those bifold doors open and having the whole family around and people buzzing around the island and taking food inside and out to the alfresco or, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's really, it's a very mm-hmm. hardworking space. And it, we, it's, a, it's probably, I reckon, the most hardworking space in a home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to be highly functional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, it's got to look great because it will be one of the first rooms that you'll see when, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you come home and mm-hmm. also when your guests arrive. So it, it's got to look great and, you know, sometimes that can be challenging really across both scales. We've designed small kitchens, yep. very challenging to get everything in for it to look great and for it to function. We've designed, you know, large-scale kitchen. kitchens as yep. well, huge kitchens as well. And, and you know, there you've got so much space that, um, you know, you need to make sure scale and proportion is, is right and it's not just, you know, a vast I actually you know, think desert that- of a space. Big can be harder because there's mm, th- there's mm. so much travel time that That's happens right. in it, and there's so many. You know, if you're walking four steps for everything, you wear yourself out in the kitchen. <laughs> That's right, and you know it's not functioning if you're having to walk, you know, yeah, a mile far. between the pantry yeah. and and the fridge, or you know, from the island mm. all the way back to the back pantry. So that is, you know, clever design does have to come into play there, and whether you double up and and the position of things, and and yeah, you know, it, it's got to function first and foremost, like every room in the home, but particularly in the kitchen, it, it's got to function specifically to meet the family's yeah. needs and and resale, I guess, as well, Adrian. You know, that's always mm-hmm. a point too in 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 good design. Yeah, absolutely. It is always yeah that um that resale part. Yeah, I look, that was great. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed you taking us through those kind of spaces because too often people um, just think of it as being one big house. But each space has an emotional value as much as it has a dollar value, as much as it has a um, a value and function in the home and how the home will function. Um, and you know. Obviously, the, the the rooms where they get hammered the most are bathrooms and um, kitchens because they're very time pressured at different points. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, it was good. It was good. Really fun. Um, let's go to something like. Um, what about the? Oh, the anticipation. Where are we going? Mm. Oh, I've got <laughs> a couple. Deep. I've got a couple of things there. You know, like I've got a couple of pieces here that I, I I'd like to dig into. You know the 
how holistic as opposed to holistic i suppose but holistic a home is and a hierarchy of needs or a hierarchy of values that get put into a home um in your journey with people you know everybody's got a, a budget and it doesn't really matter how much money they've got they've got if it is if if money isn't the issue then they've got a value budget they're looking for a return on investment um with that how do you get you know we just talked about large kitchens and large you know suites um or, or not necessarily large but those kind of things with their expensive areas how do you get your budget to flow for a home um and where people's different needs sit how do you how do you how do you even approach that to get some some I suppose a runway on it so that you can go great we've got this much money and how we're splitting it off mm. where's where's what go because mm. mm. I'll, I'll add to it I've never had I have never had a client where the budget is bigger than the dream the dream is always bigger than the budget Yes, that 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 is true in in most cases, mm. uh, but it's it's a very important conversation to have right at the start of the project. Um, certainly for us, it's you know we must always establish the budget and we must always ensure that it's it's realistic mm-hmm. uh, and that we can meet our clients' expectations uh, in relation to the budget. You know that that's the business side of interior design. It's very important, um, and I feel sometimes. It's a difficult conversation for for designers to have because we're you know we're comfortable in the creative space, but it's very important to have that that discussion about budget and to you know right at the start to to set clear expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's as an aside. Um, well, <laughs> to also answer your question in that part though, in that little piece that you said there, the thing is is that um, when it comes down to say you know a floor covering, it could cost you know from this amount to this amount, from small to large. Um, depending on the quality of it and depending on um, the availability of it. And, you know, if it was timber, the width of the board changes the price of it. People don't, often we hear designers say, oh, they just don't understand, you know, about clients. Well, why would they understand? That's your job is to educate them. That's right. (laughs) That's exactly right. You know, if they are are an eye surgeon, they probably go, they just don't understand. If they just did this with their eyes, well, again, you know, that's the difference, isn't it? That's exactly right. And and this is why it's such an important conversation to, to have. And, and it, you know, it must be a respectful conversation as well because, you know, clients have a budget and, you know, in, in some cases, you know, and clients will openly say to us, you, you know what, Donna, we have no idea how much yeah. things cost. So, you know, we would love to have your guidance, you know, and yes. And your recommendation in terms of, you know, what, what you feel is, you know, is a reasonable and comfortable investment, you know, commensurate with the value that they'll achieve. Um, and, and the value of their home and where it sits and how they're going to live in it and how long they want to be in it and all these other questions, yeah, that go with that. That's right. And what what, what value means to them, you know, mm-hmm. is it is it a, a, mm-hmm. a financial return on investment or is it, you know, their forever home and their dream home? Because, you know, that investment looks very different, you know, across those two two projects. And, 
And yeah, so it, it's it, it must be a respectful conversation, and we as designers must respect the the budget as long as we get it to a point where we're comfortable, we can deliver, and obviously the clients are comfortable uh, with 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 that with investment. And yeah. And, you know, the budget is obviously, you know, it's not just the building works, it's the engaging the consultants and, you know, it's it's lodgement fees and council fees and, you know, um, it's it's so all of those costs, I guess, need to need to be discussed. I mean, you know, we, we're an interior design studio. So, you know, we obviously we don't manage the budget meticulously mm-hmm. through the project, but we certainly uh, have an understanding of it and well actually let, let me let me clarify so we we certainly uh, manage the budget through the uh, the decoration and styling phase of the project mm-hmm. because that is purely within our control as an interior design studio but obviously during the renovation works you know there's the cost of the building works there's the cost of the consultants there's our fee so there's only you know portions of that that we can control but we work with all consultants to make sure that it's a really coming in on budget a great distinction, a really good distinction, Donna. You know, there's the things that you can manage meticulously and there's the mm. things you can't. Mm. And, um, you know, if, if the floor coverings are going to be X, um, then the, the builder is going to be the person who's going to be charging the client for those floor coverings. Um, and the rate of what the tiles cost to put down will become what the market rate is. It's, uh, you know, and all those pieces that go along with that. You can specify it and you can have a good idea of what it is, but you can't control the outcome at the end of the day, whereas you can on the That's other right. side. Yeah. That's right. So it's, I guess it's experience that comes into play there. You know, the, the, um, the number of projects that you've completed will, will help you to understand the, the cost of things, you know, the labor and, you know, obviously the, the cost of the cost of items, the cost of materials and finishes. So, you know, I guess as, as time goes on and, and you, you develop more experience, then, you know, you have a greater understanding of that and which, which puts you in a stronger position to be able to have those, those budgetary conversations and, and, you know, and to, to confidently be able to guide your, your clients through, you know, through, through that conversation to to get to um, a point where where they're happy. Yeah, and, exactly. Or where, experience. where they're excited about the outcomes as well, but also yeah. knowing, knowing that they're making the right investment and you're an educator in that space where, you, you know, as you say, a lot of people will just say, well, tell us what, guide us. We're, we're here to be guided by you. That's why we've invested in you. Um, that's right. That's right. That's a big part, eh, is like mm. that, it, it, it's being the educator. And I love that you kept saying um, when we've been talking, you constantly refer to respecting the client. Um, and I, I think it's so important and it gets lost often uh, that it is them. It is personal to them. It is their money. It is their home. It's where mm. they're going to live and mm. keeping that value of respect to that at the highest level. Absolutely. I think is mm. really critical. Mm. It it never gets lost for us ever. You know, our, our clients it's a key value. are. It, it, of course, it, it, it's mm. a key value. Our clients are our our livelihood. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, and they're also our source of satisfaction as designers. You know, we yeah. we yeah, and and you know, so that's a win win on on both parts. You know, it it really is. If we are establishing, you know, a, a respectful 
uh, relationship with our clients right from the commencement of the project. That is going to be hugely rewarding for all parties all the way through to the end because let's be honest, things go down during the course of a project. Of you know, things go wrong. Things yeah. go wrong. There's yeah. tears. There's yeah. there's stress. There's, you know, budget overruns. There's there's timeline overruns. Things go wrong. And, and, and it's incredibly stressful. Obviously, we as the professionals are conditioned to it. Our clients aren't. So we need to support them through that. And, you know, if that, if that relationship is built on a foundation of, of respect. Um, and, you know, I think those conversations about budget and timelines, as much as they can be icky, and, and you know, I know because I, you know, I have a lot of um, girlfriends and, and colleagues <laughs> that are, you know, designers and they struggle to, to you know, to have those yeah. conversations, but they can actually be, you know, a, a really strong pillar on which you can build, a tr- you know, a trusting relationship with, yeah. with your client. And, and that makes for a really great relationship all the way through. So, you, you know, you can look back and you can laugh about, you know, when the wrong tiles went down <laughs> or oh, when you know <laughs> the, you know yeah. the brass tapware turned up instead of the chrome tapware yeah. or, or whatever yeah. it might be whatever it might go, be but it all wrong. everything happens it you does. said that about the tiles and it took me to a, a story i knew know about of a tyler who um he had about four guys working for him and they were doing project home type work and um Anyway, he sent one of the guys to a job. The guy pulls up outside the job and goes in, basically tiles the house and um, comes back out. And uh, then they find out they tiled the house, the wrong house. It was the house next door. Oh, my Lord. That is, that is a, that's a doozy. <laughs> Project builder. And, and, and the selection was different in the other house. Um, oh, my goodness. But just one of those things, you know, because the two houses looked so similar. Um, it was an easy mistake. There were no numbers on the roads yet. Um, it was all just lot numbers. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things. Well, just you- one of those things <laughs> and you go, oh, oh. No. An expensive mistake, yes. Yeah, yeah, one of those horrible <laughs> things, yeah. Oh. Uh, um, so I'm going to ask you one last question because I've so enjoyed this. I, I want to ask you one last question and I've got to decide whether I might let you choose um, no, I'm going to ask it. I was going to give you a couple. I was going to give you a couple to ask. Uh, so, um, with I'm going to do one of my regular ones, which is I've got three here I really want to ask, but I'm not going to. <laughs> well, it's killing me. I'm going to ask you when we hang up from the recording. No problem. Um, it's a public holiday today. That's so, it. Yeah, you know, I've got, the, got to find got out the time. answer. <laughs> got to find out the answer to this other one. So this is one of my regular last questions, which is um, I'm going to couple it with a little preface. One is, is what would you, the first piece is, is what would you say to your younger self um, if you were like, you know, leaving school and you were going to do this career, what's, some, what's, what's one tip or two tips that you would give? And then I've got my last question. So what would you say to that younger self or that person who is about to embark on a career or wants to consider this as a career? Some advice. So I personally wouldn't change my journey in, in any way. I feel that my, um, my corporate career has really helped to shape, you know, me as a designer and to build my studio. I guess what what I'm not is 
a natural risk taker. So I'm, I have to sort of methodically consider things. It takes me some time to, you know, perhaps build up the confidence and the self-belief to, you know, drive change forward in, in my studio. Okay. But, you know, I've done it. I've done it over time and it's proven, you know, very successful for me. So to my younger self, I would say just do it, you know, believe in yourself. You, you, you know, you can do it. We can all do it. We all have the capability to do it, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's letting the, I guess, the, the fear and, you know, the analysis of the risk and, and you know, all sorts of things cloud that, that judgment um, but I know, you know, I've taken some huge, huge leaps and huge steps outside of my comfort zone in, in my career and in my personal life as well, you know, all of which have paid, you know, tremendous dividends. So, but, you know, it, there's been a lot of angst and a lot of, you know, consideration and anticipation, you know, to yeah, leading up to, to those to decisions. Where, whereas really, you know, when you get to the end game, I think, Jesus, like, you know, I should, have, I just do I should that? have done that two years ago. Yeah. So I would say to myself, you know what, just back yourself, back yourself and just just do it. I love that. I love that. That's, <laughs> I think that's awesome advice. Really, 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 really beautiful advice. Um, my last question is going to be, you've got one last project. I'm going to set the stage here. You've got one last project. You can never do another one. Um this is it. You've got to hang it up. You're still alive. You haven't died or anything. You're just still alive. But this is it. You've got one opportunity left to do a project and then it's over for you. What would you choose? And tell us about it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is deep. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) It's a tricky question because there's a lot of opportunity in it as well as there's a lot of remorse in it. That's very true. There is, because you go, well, well, I haven't finished doing everything I want to do yet. That's right. That's right. If Um, if tomorrow started your last project, what would it be? Well, do you know what, Adrian? I I have to be honest, and I would say it it would be my home. It it would be a project for for my family, for me and and my family. Um, You know, we're on, I don't know, renovation 275 or something. <laughs> they'd probably, they'd listen to this. If they'd listen to this, they'd be like, mum, get it done. <laughs> no, I mean, this is for everybody else's projects. Um, we, yeah, I, I desperately need to, to, um, you know, to, to design our own dream home for, for my family, which is certainly on, on the horizon. So, you know what, that, that is what I would do because I guess I, if it was my very last project and if I was designing my own home, you know, I would, I would tackle it differently, I guess, to, to the way that I tackle, you know, our, our projects now, even though we put our heart and soul absolutely into every project that we take on, it would be, it would be different. But I guess I would also be comfortable in the knowledge that, you know, that is my last project and it would be you know, perfect in every way. And then eventually, yeah. you know, somebody else will get to, to enjoy that as well. I love mm. that. I love that. That's a great answer. <laughs> it is a great answer because, you know, in the busyness of life, you don't always get to do your own things, your own projects. It's, you know, people often say to me about our home, I say, well, it's actually really, yes, it is our home, but it's my wife's home as well. I don't just get to do what I damn well please in there. That's <laughs> if right. I, if I did, I wouldn't be in there for very long, you know, she'd have me shipped out. So <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, would you do that in your own home? Hell no. <laughs> uh, great answer. Hey, this has been fabulous, Donna. Really, really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for making the time to come on Talk Design with me. And I didn't get to talk about a couple of things, one of which I'm going to talk to you about when we hang up. But the other is pretty soon you're launching a new website, correct? Mm, yes, we are. Yes, which is very exciting. Yes. Awesome. We will get all your socials and stuff and put them on the end of the podcast so that everybody can find you. And also knowing that you will have a new website. So if they, you visit once, make sure you visit again in case that changeover has happened in that point of time. So Yes, that's right. Thank you, Adrian. It's been so fun chatting to you. Thank you. Absolutely brilliant. Go and have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Cheers. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know fee pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers doesn't matter what level you're at there is no one golden bullet for it Uh, if it was it was probably select the right type of clients but if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it and it's by asking say three questions and this is called takeaway selling so this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you it's almost like imagine if you had some hot chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them you put them in front of someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, well, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? and see if they follow you, see if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it, because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.